This is called Investigating Reality, which is the name of the talk. But I'll begin with a, a poem by Kabir. Kabir said, still, still the body, still the mind, still the voice inside, still the body, still the vo mind, still the voice inside. In silence, feel the stillness move. In silence, feel the stillness move. Friends, this feeling cannot be imagined. It's a poem by Kabir that I loved when I think about meditation. Still the um, body, still the mind, still the talking to ourselves, and then in silence, what lives in silence, in being, as we get here, as we land here. <clears throat> and he says, this feeling cannot be imagined. And I love that because he's pointing at something that's only alive in each moment. And because, as I like to say, really all of reality is only alive in this moment. Like even right now, this is the only moment of life right now. Everything else is an idea, before or after, yesterday or tomorrow, imagining, thinking about. But feel what's thinking about the moment. Because what's thinking about the moment is alive right now, in this moment. And so I was, I read this poem yesterday, I really liked it, and just appreciated that kind of presence. When we get here, when we land here, when we're not in the usual um, infatuation with our minds or our ideas or our beliefs or what happened or what didn't happen or what's supposed to happen. And, and, um, and then I was thinking about what to talk about tonight and I saw this other quote from Sayadaw Utejaniya, who I appreciate very much these days. He said, many people feel lost when the mind quiets down. Many people feel lost when the mind quiets down and becomes stable. They don't know what to do with the quietness. They don't know what to do with the quietness. It's, in my language, egotistonic quietness. It's not what we're used to. It's not what our normal sense of self is familiar with. And we want what's familiar, what's usual, how we know ourselves. And so, um, uh, Utejaniya says, many people feel lost when the mind quiets down and becomes stable. They don't know what to do with the quietness. That's when I encourage yogis to investigate. And I love his emphasis on the factor of investigation because it's, it, it will make your practice live every moment, every day if you start to investigate the reality of what's sitting right here and what's thinking and what's feeling and what's knowing and what's not knowing, but that this living experience that is breathing and alive right now, we can start to investigate it however it shows up, whether there's thoughts or feelings or sounds or smells or tastes or touch, what's smelling? What's hearing? And I don't mean, I'm not trying to ask what is hearing. I'm saying, what is it that is hearing things, right? What's the experiential reality that hears or smells or sees or tastes and touch? Like if you're even looking at me right now, don't get involved in seeing me. Be curious, investigate what is seeing Right, because we usually, we're so involved in what we see, we forget that seeing is happening. And that we're not even doing it really, it happens all on its own, which I love personally. It's so 
freeing to see how things happen on their own. <clears throat> and so Utejanese says, just staring at things quietly is not enough. He's talking about practice. Just staring at things quietly is not enough. This is why I question the term bare attention. What do we mean by that? There must be intelligent investigation. Intelligent investigation. And I, and I so appreciate Utejaniya because he's not saying we're going to some uh, magical state. He's saying, oh, bring your intelligence, bring your heartfulness right here to what's happening in this moment, this breath, this sound, this feeling, this emotion, this thought. What is it? What is it that thinks? What is it that feels? What is it that knows? What is it that's aware? And so he really encourages the factor of investigation. <clears throat> and part of the, here I'll say a little more, investigation is one of the seven factors of awakening, right? The first factor, the overarching factor is mindfulness. And then the next, the one that's closest to it is investigation. And it's called Dharma Vichaya, investigation of the Dharma. Or investigate, Dharma is translated quite commonly as truth. Investigation of the truth. The truth of what's here right now. Whatever that truth may be, whether we like the truth or not. I'm not saying it makes it all good or all right. But we want to be aware of it. We want to be able to investigate it. We want to be able to wake up in the middle of whatever is happening, whether we like what's happening or whether we don't like what's happening. The Dharma is to wake up right where we are, not where we're supposed to be, or not even where we want to be. And so it's called, Dharma Vichaya is often called investigation of Dharma or truth. It's also uh, sometimes called the sword of discriminating wisdom. The sword of discriminating wisdom. And I, I like that. It speaks to some part of me. The, I, I like the word vajra, which means sword or cutting through in Tibetan Buddhism. There's a certain vajra energy. I was speaking to someone this morning about um, what's been going on. And somebody said, Tanisra spoke about this last week, and I believe I spoke about it either two weeks ago or, or a little longer, about what's been happening with the, um, with the Me Too uh, culture that's arisen now, and the importance of, um, of people, women, speaking about the kind of uh, discrimination and uh, inappropriateness that has happened maybe forever, for centuries, but have happened here in this country, especially with powerful men that's been characterized by, I can't remember his name, Weinstein? The, yeah, Harvey Weinstein, and then other people, including Ray Moore, I believe it is. Yeah, and, pardon? Oh, Louis C.K., yeah, I mean, yeah, so, right, there's a long list. Donald, yeah, Donald Trump, Louis C.K., but, and so there's maybe people we don't like, maybe people we might even like, but, but we're seeing something that is systemic in our culture and it's being spoken to it. So this gentleman was speaking to me about this and we were talking about how exciting it was what's happening in the culture because it's like a little bit no more bullshit. Like let's get real and, and fuck this shit with this crap happening. And, um, <laughs> and no, I mean that. And I was saying, oh yeah, there's this Vajra energy right now that's cutting through the bullshit. And that's so important. It's, it's true about race, it's true about sexism, it's true about homophobia, it's true about uh, economics, whatever it happens to be. 
that where we're discriminating or acting inappropriately, and it's just assumed that, oh yeah, it's okay, because it's them it's happening to, because we may not be the one it's exactly happening to. <coughs> and so, um, just riffing here a little about investigation and, and what um, uh, Tanisara might have been talking about in terms of the Vajra energy that's arising in our culture, that's really an important part of waking up because, you know, it's nice to be um, quiet and uh, have a lot of samadhi and, you know, good things happen, all good. And then sometimes it's important to investigate and to act appropriately based on our investigations. And that, in, that acting appropriately sometimes brings a certain Vajra energy, a certain uh, uh, cutting energy, a sword-like energy that's needed at times. And so I was looking at this, <clears throat> the importance of investigation, which is a factor I really love, partly because somebody I've been, somebody's been calling me who's having a hard time, and I'm trying to be a little helpful with this person. And I'll tell you, it's a little private, but meaning uh, you shouldn't repeat all of this, but <laughs> meaning, no, really, it was something to do with someone who was experimenting with some, uh, uh, what's now called medicine, right? How many people know what medicine is? Few people, right? Some people don't, okay. So, um, uh, a, a certain medicine is called ayahuasca, and it's a I guess it's a drug, you know, but I don't think of it quite that way. It's, a, it's used by native peoples around the world and it's a religious tool for many of them. And, and I have total respect for that. And so this person had experimented a while ago, and uh, a while ago, a month ago, and, it, and some really good things happen and some really hard things happen, which can happen with that kind of medicine. And so and they were calling me today because they've been going up and down since then. And I've been in touch with them and, and I have a little personal knowledge about that kind of medicine. So I know a little bit about it. And, um, and, uh, and they, were, they were talking about how things calm down, calm down, and then everything opens up. And it's a little bit, I guess, like they're on the ayahuasca again. And um, okay, that can happen, but also that can happen without ayahuasca. See, I know some things about consciousness and where consciousness can go, and it can go anywhere. And it, sometimes drugs support that, and sometimes meditation supports that. And you can get very out there sometimes on deep meditation retreats or long retreats. And so, uh, and they were watching the sunset somewhere uh, uh, today, and it was very beautiful, and it like all of a sudden took him to another world. And, and I'm like, okay, so what's, what's wrong with that, mm -hmm. right? And he's scared, because it's ego dystonic. It's not how he knows himself. And I'm like, okay, so, and so what I was trying to do was investigate his fear rather than just believe his fear because he's having a reaction to, to uh, a level of reality that's possible with ayahuasca or without ayahuasca and that human beings have investigated, as far as I can tell, forever because we're not bound to any one realm of reality. We, we mostly we hang out in the, the conventional reality, but there's a lot more here than meets the eye, at least in my experience. And so, and so I've been thinking about investigation today and, and helping him investigate his experience more directly in order for him to relax about it. Because as far as I can tell, and I've been tracking him for a month, he's actually doing fine, but he gets very scared. 
And that's the piece we're trying to, what is he actually afraid of? And the fear is he's gonna be like this forever. And, and you know, of course me, I'm, I'm good, I'm not perfect. So I'm like, well, you may be like that forever, but let's see, meaning, it's an idea I'm going to be like that forever. The idea is scary. If he's, I say, how are you right now? Oh, I'm scared. What's, what's the fear like? Then we want to investigate the fear directly, which is just mindfulness practice. As far as I'm concerned, we're investigating the fear directly. So what's the fear like? Not what makes him afraid, but what's the experience of fear? And so then he's feeling fidgety and shaky. I said, well, is it okay to be fidgety and shaky? Yeah. I can be fidgety and shaky. I'm not even afraid and I'm fidgety and shaky or whatever. And so, and he said, I, and I said, well, how's the bottom of your feet? Are they fidgety and shaky, right? So you, I said, maybe you need to ground a little. How is the bottom of your feet? And you could all sense the bottom of your feet right now because that's usually a very neutral part of our experience we don't pay attention to, yet it's right here and it's alive right here. And so, etc. So I was I was playing with him, meaning in a hopefully kind and skillful way. Uh, to help him get a little grounding in the moment, because in the moment, from what I could hear, he was actually fine. He was emotionally scared, and that's not a bad thing. It's just fear. Every animal in existence has fear. I don't know about existence. All animals in this earth have fear, as far as I can tell. That's a common animal thing, and we're animals. And so we have fear sometimes. If we can be aware of it, we don't have to be bound to it. And, and it, at least for me, often to investigate what's difficult starts to help it relax on its own. I'm not trying to change it, I'm just trying to know it or understand it more directly, more immediately, right here, right now, in this moment. And it's true for any emotion, and I have all emotions, fear and sadness and grief and anger and feeling lost and feeling all kinds of things. But they're just feelings. They're not the totality of reality. And awareness, when we're aware, there's already something here that is not bound to the experience. The awareness is not bound to what it's aware of. And so I was looking at some of the, I was looking at uh, different uh, material about investigation. And of course I saw this quote from my teacher's teacher's teacher in the lineage from Ajahn Mun uh, uh, from Thailand many, many years ago, you know. I think the early 20th century, Ajahn Mun, he might have been before that, I'm pretty sure early 20th century. He said, in your investigation of the world, in your investigation, so he starts out with investigation. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine it, and so here, just for fun, right now, don't let the mind exert, uh, uh, um, desert the body. Like, feel your body, even while you're listening to me. Because it's the body, it's, it's the body that's listening, right? Even though the mind may be interpreting, the, the sound's coming through the ear door. And so just be aware of your body. You don't have to do anything special, feel your body. Like put that little bit in the foreground, the feeling of your physicality that's sitting here, that's listening. So, and then he says, and then he's talking about a more active, mindful investigation. He says, in your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. See their impermanence, the selflessness of body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. 
when it's when the body's true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart the wonders of the world will become clear when its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart the wonders of the world will become clear in this way the purity of heart and mind can shine forth timeless and delivered so he's describing, he's really emphasizing a certain mindfulness of the body and investigating what's here and what's here that's permanent, really. Tell me if you can find anything here that's permanent in the body, right? Or what's here that's you in the body? Is it your uh, hair on the head or hair on the arms? Is that you, the hair on the arms? Which part is you? Is it the skin that's you? Or is it the blood that's you? That's me, I'm the blood. Or no, I'm the pancreas, that's me. Or I'm the, no, really, if we get more real, I'm the bladder, that's me. And I'm bladdering away here. <laughs> no, but, but what I'm saying is, is as you, the Dharma asks us to investigate, look really carefully, closely, intelligently, as Saito Uteshaniya said, what is this? Instead of taking it for granted, assuming it's what we've been told it is, which is, this is me, right? And it may have something to do with you, it's definitely the location where you're living, but but which part of it is you? Is it the eyeball that's you? Or is it the eyelid that's you? I recognize you by those eyelids, that's you, right? So there's, uh, do you want it? Well, what about the mind? What about the mind? Are we our, our minds? Are we our minds? That's a great question. Where's your mind? <laughs> In, In your body? Oh, you think so? <laughs> That's a nice idea. <laughs> That's a bigger question, which we can do. Maybe we'll do mine next week or a little later. But, but it's a good question to look carefully for yourself. Where is your mind right now? In your direct experience, not in your ideas about it, but in your direct experience, where is your mind? And, of course, what is your mind? That, that's a little what I'm pointing at with the investigative uh, uh, component, the factor of awakening we call investigation. <clears throat> um, and so, so that was Ajahn Man. Um, and then uh, Saito Uteshaniya, when talking about what does it mean to practice in life, of course, be mindful and investigate reality that's right here. And it's beautiful because it's always right here. There's nowhere else it could be. And I find that so interesting. And really sometimes, uh, I mean, I've practiced a long time and so sometimes it happens quite easily for me. Um, uh, you know, where I just feel like, oh yeah, every moment is practice. And it doesn't, practice doesn't take me away from my life. My life is practice. And practice is life. They're not separate. And by that I mean, oh, you know, I do everything, you know, that human beings do, I think. You know, hopefully not quite everything, but mostly okay things. You know, and I do a few not okay things. And I've got to be aware of that, mindful of that too, and investigate that too. So Uteshaniya says, take an interest in whatever happens, whether good or bad. Take an interest in whatever happens, whether it's good or bad. Every experience is the Dharma. Every experience is the Dharma, just the way it is. <clears throat> and he goes on to say, um, if there is anger and you decide to investigate this emotion, you are setting the mind in the right direction, right? If 
you're angry and you decide to investigate the anger. If, however, you decide to try and get rid of the, the anger, you are not directing the, you are directing the mind wrongly. Which, you know, that's a mature teacher who says that. We're not trying to get rid of the anger, we're trying to wake up through the anger, with the anger. The anger is just another form of dharma that's appearing now. And so we want to be interested in it. We want to be curious about it. We want to see what is it? What is anger? And why is there anger? And who's angry? Because there's some identity there that's responding to something that may be appropriate or may be inappropriate. And sometimes, at least in my view, uh, anger is an appropriate response. It's the Vajra energy that's needed to deal with bullshit sometimes, or, or a certain kind of inappropriateness at times. It doesn't mean we have to respond inappropriately, but we can live with that energy, because that energy is needed, and it's here, and it's part of the Dharma. <clears throat> and he said, oh yeah, if there's anger, you, yeah, don't, don't just, uh, try to get rid of the anger. Um, and Ajahn Chah, I'm just, I've got a lot of quotes tonight. Ajahn Chah said, if the mind is not yet free, contemplate the cause and effect of each situation until the mind sees clearly and can free itself. If the mind is not yet free, contemplate the cause and effect of each situation until the mind sees clearly and can free itself from its own conditioning. And that's what we're learning about here. That's part of our practice. It's not, we're not just following the breath, which is a great thing to do, or being aware of sounds, or those are all great. But that's so we learn how to get here so there can be a presence of mindfulness that starts to be uh, stable and can investigate reality, can investigate the human life, and can wake up in the middle of the human life with every situation, with all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and the beautiful also. And I like the beautiful part. Uh, Utejaniya said, when you experience good mind states, actively remember them. When you experience good mind states, be aware of that. If you know why it is good or how it feels good, try to articulate that to yourself. This will help you more easily remember positive experiences. And by remember, he means be in touch with the positivity of this aliveness that's sitting in your seat. That is totally magical, or in my language. It's totally mysterious and beautiful that there's life here. And where does life come from, anyways? Lutetia <clears throat> said, whenever the mind decides that a certain object, experience, or person <coughs> is not good, it reacts in a negative way. Whenever it decides it is good, it reacts in a positive way. Once you see these judgments, you need to further investigate. Is this evaluation based on wisdom or delusion? Right? So it's not a blank sheet to, blank sheet to say, oh yeah, this is good or this is bad. No, you want to wake up. Meaning, and the word I like best for waking up these days is be mature. Wake up, be a mature human being. And by mature, I mean more mature than we usually think maturity is. That's what the Buddha did. He became a mature human being. And that's what they call waking up or being enlightened or being realized is just a whole nother level of maturity that's possible for all of us to realize and to cultivate.
one last quote from Utation He said, if there is a sense of wanting some result in your investigation other than wanting to understand, such as wanting a particular result, then the mind is manipulating the situation. If there is a sense of wanting some result in your investigation other than wanting to understand, such as wanting a particular result, the mind is manipulating the situation. Whenever you get this impression, you need to check your attitude to see whether the mind is actually trying to do this. Investigation just wants to open, it just wants to know in an open way, wants to know what exactly is going on. What exactly is going on. It does not want to manipulate things. So, that's a few thoughts tonight about practice, investigation, life. Um, we have some time for your comments, questions, agree, disagree, like, not like. And I haven't been here so much, so I'm open to anything. You could comment on what I've just said, which I'm interested in. And, or it could be something else about practice since I haven't been here so much the last uh, six weeks or so. You said, uh, you just said, uh, please, you, you have to go to the mic. If you, the mic? Yeah, yeah. So that, now you turn the mic towards you and then and you face me. Turn the whole thing. No, uh, not quite like that. Here. There you go. You you said about uh, awake is a mature big adult. It's being mature. I didn't say adult. Oh, you, you said oh, you said mature. I mean, it's the same. It's what the word that I use instead of enlightenment. Okay. Being a mature human being. Mature human being. Okay. Yes. Cool. Um, I guess we were talking during the break, and I, I, when I thought, I thought I heard mature adult, so I thought I wanted to say, uh, if it's, I think, I think I'll coin the phrase for me, you know, awake meaning mature human, big kid. I don't know, maybe. Okay. Because I, I don't want to lose the kid. Right. You know what I mean? But mature doesn't mean losing the kid. Of course. Of yeah. Course, of course. Yeah, but, okay. So but sometimes it could be, it could, people might. Might perceive it that way. That's you true. Know, People mature means like got to be so upright and so yeah. like nine to five. Yeah, yeah. That type no, of no, shit. no. That is not what I not mean by mature. <laughs> I assume everybody here is mature enough so they're taking care of things and they're doing what they need to do and they go to work and they pay their bills or whatever. And it means not having to get rid of your heart or your life or your what you're calling kidness. Because you know we're we're just big kids, of course. Yeah, no, we are. Yeah, but so no no problem with you on that. Cool. Nice. Okay. Well, that's it for now. Okay. Here, please. Yeah, put there. You go. Thank you. My chair was that close. I was tying my shoes. Um, I don't have a specific, I guess there's, I think there's a question in my, and just some reflections that I'm thinking about. Um, Please. I've been thinking about practice and effort and energy. Um, and noticing, like, even as I was sitting there just now, I was trying to get myself to practice. I was like, notice your breath, pay attention. And I noticed I, like, wanted to look at my watch, and I was like, no, like, notice the feeling of wanting to look at your watch. And then I, like, put my watch, I don't know. And, it, and like doing that kind of practice takes energy, uh-huh. and sometimes I feel like then I go the opposite direction, and I want to like watch a bunch of YouTube videos or like eat chocolate. You know, like I feel like I've been straining a little bit uh-huh. in my practice, uh-huh. and so I've been reflecting on like when I feel like I am not resourced enough, uh-huh. and sometimes it can be the feeling of like <coughs> I want to. Like, I want to feel nourished in a certain kind of way, but I know that if I, like, called a friend, it wouldn't really, like, it would be coming from a certain, like, urgency feeling that wouldn't actually, like, meet the need. Mm -hmm. And, like, one thing I've played around with is, like, 
that's actually helped a lot is like going in nature mm-hmm. and like leaning against a tree or like feeling the ground like things mm-hmm. like that actually help me ground. feel more resourced I yeah. guess um, so I'm not sure what the question is in that but I just notice sometimes feeling like burnt out or like not resourced well, well the only the question I hear and tell me if this fits at all is you're looking at the straining part of efforting to make it happen to practice and so uh, two things I would say try doing a whole sitting and don't strain the whole time but don't strain at not straining <laughs> right yeah you okay so you get it and that's and so what I'm asking you to do is something very difficult because we're used to doing something that's ego syntonic Right, that's familiar to most of us. So not doing anything is actually hard. And you will feel the strain of that. But keep relaxing, breathe with the strain whenever the strain comes and be aware of strain <coughs> or tight or however it manifests, right? Or tense or uh, you know, and, and then it just becomes part of practice instead of something you have to get over. Okay, and then when you get up and you want to go for the chocolate immediately, (laughs) be aware of the energy, because there's a lot of energy that's wanting to go for the chocolate. And see if you can investigate the energy, get closer to the energy, allow the energy. Yeah, I want all the goddamn chocolate. (laughs) I want a table full of chocolate, whatever it is. And but feel how strong that is, because there's a lot of life there. And it's not bad life, but we're not used to letting it get more um, uh, metabolized. Mostly we just act on it because we think that's, we think it's really the chocolate. And you know, and I, I, I don't know if I said this, you know, I haven't eaten chocolate for many, many years because I was so sensitive to caffeine. And when I was away in, in Asia this time, uh, you know, I was, I ate some chocolate and it was just great. <laughs> I, I love chocolate. <laughs> but, but something's happened and I'm not so sensitive to caffeine now. And so I can have a, when I want some caffeine, I have a little bit of chocolate now. So, and so I'll invite you over sometime to have a teeny piece of chocolate that I have with me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really, I didn't, I forgot. Oh my God, chocolate is <laughs> like, what, is that like from the gods or something? That's like nectar. <laughs> I want to comment. You, uh, I love that you said um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the beautiful. Usually, people don't say the good, bad, and the ugly. Right. But, the, the, but the fact that you said beautiful was like just like was a gem, was a point. I love that. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Who else? Or should I just pick somebody who's sitting here? That, that always. Pardon. Is it okay in the back? Please come up. Hi, my name is uh, Ben. Hi, Ben. Um, it's just kind of simple. Like I feel like um, for a long time, I'll just be going and feeling like, like just like you're saying, just like observing everything and trying to investigate. But then, just kind of randomly, I feel like something will trigger me, uh-huh. and. Uh, it feels like something that's kind of like hard to look at for myself. Like yeah. I feel like there's like this a lot, like this charge of like anger and shame. Right. And right. Uh, it kind of feels like it can just really feel consuming. Uh, yes. Yeah. It can, and because we get absorbed in it, and we believe it. You know, you're angry about whatever you're angry about, and it feels full. There's a lot of energy there. And that energy is very consuming, as you're saying. And so, you know, so my question to you is, what do you do then to stay uh, mindful at that point? Uh, I mean, I think I just try to stay uh, mindful. <clears throat> but how, how do you try to stay mindful? Um, 
And here we're investigating now your practice in order to help support your practice. So let's see what we find out. Yeah. Um, <coughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like I have like this kind of this dialogue going on inside my mind, like right. it's kind of positive and negative, or right. you know, going one way or going the other. So I kind of, um, it feels like this sort of like internal dialogue, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're aware of the dialogue. And then be aware of what's aware of the dialogue. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um. What I just said? Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I could bring it more in the moment. What's aware that you're thinking now? That's good. That's a good answer because that's the beginning of, se of, of seeing there's something here. You, you know you're aware you're thinking. Yeah. What's aware of the thinking? Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I just wanted to add one other thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> wait, wait, stay with me another second and then you can add one more thing. So I'm just trying to point you at one possibility when you're angry you're aware that you're angry, and you're aware of the dialogue, start to step back or, or feel, sense, what the, that you're already aware of it. You're aware of the dialogue, meaning you're not just in the dialogue, you're also aware of the dialogue. Okay. And that starts to give you a little space in not being so uh, cathected <laughs> or identified with the dialogue. Okay, so okay. not identifying. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, you wanted to add something else. Well, I, I felt like, uh, I had this experience just like the other day of like, um, <coughs> um, I was like in really like in a hot springs and kind of like passing out and being incapacitated, uh -huh. like physically. Yeah. And I've only like had that experience like maybe one or two other times in my life and I felt like it put me in this really <laughs> vulnerable state where I was gonna like react to things like where I thought that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I got this nail that's like, nothing's gonna ruffle my feathers, but then, you know, it just it's Something ruffled your feathers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> we're all birds of a feather here, meaning we're all gonna get ruffled at times. And so you're seeing something about your mind like how your mind is putting up an ideal, oh, nothing's gonna ruffle my feathers, and then your feathers get ruffled. So if in my world, I'm just like, I don't try not to get my feathers ruffled. Of course, they're gonna get ruffled at times, and I wanna be present for that, rather than think that's wrong, or that's a mistake, or, oh, I made, I did it wrong. I didn't, I, if I would have meditated more, I wouldn't have gotten my feathers ruffled. And so then I can work with it. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so just, and just, so watch what happens when you have strong emotions. Because you will, and you do have strong emotions. And the, the paradox is, they're just emotions. They're not the totality of who and what you are. And so we want, to have, we want to actually be able to have strong emotions. They're a beautiful part of being a human being. You know, love is a strong emotion. Passion is a strong emo affective feeling. And that's really, those are good. They can be good or they can be used for good or for not good, right? And so that we want to wake up so we can let reality keep uh, waking up with all of us together. Okay, thanks. Sure, thank you. Hi, I'm Michael, and um, today, 
I discovered something. It's it's going back to this me too thing. Uh -huh. Only it's with a man. Uh -huh. And and this man um, is an instructor, a, a yoga fitness instructor, who who I've really admired and has really helped me with that practice. And um, he has um, been terminated from the place I, I take lessons at. Um, and it's been a big mystery, and it happened really quickly. And he's gone, he's fired, and I had time today and went on the internet and discovered why. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know what to do at all with these feelings because I had left it just a day ago. I, I want to reach out to this person who's a friend of mine um, and see if I could help him, okay? That was my initial reaction. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I discovered through news reports and things is that um, he's in some real trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, I've also sort of experienced some of the behavior that I was questioning over the past months and even longer. And so, you know, that's just what's on my mind. I'm, I'm very torn, I'm very upset and sad because he's a very good person, but I, I, I think there's some real truth yeah. in the behaviors, right. and I think he's probably really damaged his career in this field, particularly locally. Right. So, but, so what I hear is your uh, uh, upsetness and I also hear your concern for him, mm. and which I think is really beautiful, actually, because all the perpetrators are suffering also. Mm. And it's the part that doesn't get seen, because first we want to see, we want to stop the perpetration, mm. right? But the perpetrators are just suffering also in their own way, and that's an expression of it, that kind of unconscious behavior in, in any in ways like that, and I was listening to uh, Van Jones, right? He was there was a talk he was giving on KQED or an interview with him, and he was beautiful. I, I'm trying to find it because I think oh everybody should hear this because he was so beautiful in his care about the perpetrators. You know, mostly he was talking about racism <coughs> and and politics. But he was just, he was quite wise about um, uh, everybody needs help. We all need help here. And so the perpetrators need help, ultimately. They don't need to be condemned. They need to be stopped and helped. And it's the same question. I mean, even the, the whole criminal system is... The crime, crime needs to be stopped, and people who are committing crimes need to be helped, not just imprisoned, right? And so that's, so you have the option now of, of considering or reflecting on how could you help him? Yeah. You know, is there a way, or is there some resources you can help point him to, to help him about this? Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, last one now. <laughs> My response to your question, uh, what is aware that you're aware of it? Uh, the conscious mind, I believe, is uh -huh. aware that you're aware of it. And that's not your brain, uh -huh. that's not your body. Uh -huh. It's the, the energy of your essence like who I really am. Right. And that's the thing that never dies. You know, the energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just is. And that's what consciousness is, and that's the mind. The mind is consciousness. We are conscious beings. And that's what's aware that we're aware of it. 
Okay, that, that all sounds really good to me. My only question is, how do you experience the conscious mind right now? And <laughs> here you got you got the ding answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's a good answer, and and you should. Uh, I would encourage you to keep experiencing what you're talking about and seeing what happens as you get closer to it. Right, great. Okay, that was a good, good, good answer. <laughs> okay, let's sit for a minute before we end tonight, everybody. to share the blessings of our good fortune that we're here and have a place and time and opportunity to practice and to study the Dharma and to wake up together. May our good fortune be good for ourselves and for one another and may it go out in every direction. May it be a benefit to all beings in all worlds. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering, free from delusion, confusion, misunderstanding. May all beings wake up. May we wake up together. May we realize our Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom, and kindness and compassion and intelligence. May we wake up and become mature human beings. May all beings be free. Next week, please take good care. <laughs>